Support for WRFA is brought to you by Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union. As a local community resource, Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union is committed to providing its members with the professional financial services they have come to expect. Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union provides credit union membership to people who live, work, worship, attend school, do business, and any other entities within Chautauqua County. For more information, including how to become a member, call or text 716-665-7000 or visit them on the web at 665-7000.com. We have State Senator George Borrello on the line with us today to talk about the recently approved 2023 state budget. So, good morning, Senator. Good morning. It's good to be back with you. Okay. The last time we had a budget reaction from you was at the Chamber of Commerce's Legislative Breakfast, where you were literally in the middle of passing budget bills. And since that time, now the budget has been officially approved by the state legislature. And I'm looking for what are your key takeaways for what is now finally been approved? Well, I think um, on kind of a uh, broader scale, it's, uh, it's, uh, it is a record-breaking uh, budget, uh, 200, more than $220 billion. And uh, most of that uh, is uh, you know, creating recurring programs, new recurring programs, I shouldn't say most, but a huge piece of that is using the federal dollars, the one-time ARPA funding, uh, which will create new programs that ultimately will lead to higher taxes down the road because these recurring programs will no longer be funded through, through federal dollars. So that part is disappointing. At the same time, like with anything else, when you start talking about you know, tens of thousands of line items, yeah, there are good things and bad things. Uh, there is a record amount of money uh, for child care, which I think is something that uh, particularly to address child care deserts, which is something that we all, I think, can be happy with. And certainly I've been a big advocate for, especially uh, in Chautauqua County and the surrounding region, which suffers from so many uh, child care deserts and, and the inability to, to let people uh, lead more productive lives by having affordable uh, and, and certainly uh, child care that's not only affordable but also accessible. Um, there's a lot of uh, infrastructure money in there for us to uh, do things like ensure we can get broadband to people uh, another issue that's very, very uh, high on the list of concerns for my constituents. So it's a mixed bag, but um, from a standpoint of financial responsibility, that's my biggest concern is in the out years when this federal money dries up, which will, you know, in, in a couple years that's exactly what's going to happen. Are we going to have the ability to sustain these programs? Because it's very hard to take something away once you've given it to someone, and that's probably my major concern with this budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a number of issues that you brought up over the last uh, several months of uh, concerns that were budgetary related and a couple of things that came up during the budget discussions that I was interested in how things worked out. One of them was uh, there was it was the mixing of some policy within the budget process. But uh, Kendra's law was up for renewal in June, and I believe that was part of the state budget process. Can you tell us what happened there? Well, yes. Uh, the shorter answer is we did score a victory there by um, having Kendra's law renewed for another five years. However, I uh, introduced a, an amendment during the budget process uh, to just essentially make it permanent so we don't have to keep renewing it uh, every, you know, every so many years. Uh, that, unfortunately, did not uh, get addressed uh, in, in the budget. So I, I'm, I'm happy that we've extended it, but it, it's something that we should just make permanent. But more importantly, we need to strengthen it. And I actually uh, am carrying a bill. I'm a prime co-sponsor with Senator Diane Savino, who's a Democrat out of, of Staten Island, um, to strengthen Kendra's law. 
and uh, to essentially give our medical professionals the opportunity to observe people longer, to to be able to take them in uh, when they are doing th- when they are unable to care for themselves, giving uh, giving that actually as a symptom of a greater problem if someone cannot uh, cannot actually have the, does not have the ability to provide themselves with food and shelter uh, and basics like that as an indicator that they they need um, uh, some kind of a mental health screening. So uh, that bill is uh, is active. We're, we're I'm hoping to pass it this session. Uh, and uh, it will be a, uh, a great tool uh, for our mental health professionals and medical professionals to address what has been uh, a skyrocketing increase in uh, people in mental health crisis. Another uh, thing that you had brought up and had been advocating against was uh, on behalf of farmers in the state was uh, this decision by the Farm Labor Award, Labor Board to um, increase the amount of overtime um, that farmers would have to pay out and it seemed like there was something that was put into the state budget that it's a I, I would assume it's to address that issue yes you know and this was done before i was a, a state senator where we passed this um farm labor bill the state senate uh, and, and assembly did and, and the governor signed it has been very damaging uh particularly to the people that they purport to want to help which farm laborers many of them have uh, have left new york state because they are not able to earn enough money any longer because of these new overtime rules uh, and since then, uh, that part of the legislation created a three-person unelected wage board uh, that uh, recently, after a couple-year delay, which uh, from our advocacy was, uh, you know, uh, a push that we continue to push this down the road, uh, actually decided to lower that threshold uh, to from 60 hours to 40 hours. Again, uh, a devastating blow to agriculture and to the farm workers who have said that uh, about 70% of them said that if it is lowered to 40 hours, that they will seek employment in other states because New York is now one of just uh, of four in the entire nation uh, that has this uh, this overtime rule, and none of them are anywhere near us. Uh, the, the, you've got Minnesota, Washington, and California are the only other states. So none of the neighboring states, which are heavily agriculture, Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, and even the rural parts of Massachusetts uh, have this law, so it's going to drive our guest workers uh, that come here legally uh, to to uh, provide for their families. We're going to drive them to other states. Uh, a, vict- a, a victory of sorts was scored during this budget process to include funding to uh, to pay that overtime uh, to to our farmers. But you know, in the big picture, do we really need to do this? Should taxpayers be subsidizing? what is essentially uh, a special interest, uh, uh, and I would say a radical special interest request, from people that have nothing to do with agriculture or farming, people that, that really don't, people that are based in New York City that don't understand where their food comes from and, and how farm labor actually works, particularly in the short growing season that we have here in New York State. So what's going to happen is uh, the farmers will be made whole, but at the expense of New York State taxpayers, which is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. When it comes to other items in the budget, is there anything particular other that you've mentioned? I was curious about broadband. There was a there was something, and I, this maybe this is something that happened before the budget process. And there was um, uh, a fee that was assessed to rightways. Am I getting that right? Yes, it's a, it's a, it's the um, New York State Department of Transportation right of way fee. This was something uh, that was enacted at the beginning of 2020. It was devastating, absolutely devastating to the expansion of, of broadband, particularly in our rural areas. It assessed a, a per-foot charge on fiber optic cable as an annual fee 
the, that is far in excess of what it actually costs just to run the cable. And this fee was, not only was it recently instituted just a couple years ago, but it was completely unfair. If you are running water lines, telephone lines, cable lines, you will not pay that right-of-way fee, only fiber optic cable, which was a huge uh, you know, hindrance, as I mentioned. Uh, it's something I've been fighting against. I introduced legislation um, nearly two years ago when I was brand new in the Senate uh, to to re- rescind this harmful fee because I knew from speaking to the broadband providers how it was destroying their ability to, to get uh, broadband, particularly to you know, remote areas in, in the rural parts of, uh, of New York. Um, finally, we got some movement on that, and, in, and I'm happy to say we, we, after making a lot of noise, doing a lot of press conferences, and really exposing uh, what a fraud this, this fee really was, it was finally removed in this, in this budget process. Uh, so that's, that's going to help. It's going to help a lot. Uh, and it's going to help us expand broadband quicker throughout uh, New York State, particularly in our rural areas. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in the budget that you felt could have been more or gone farther than than what was passed? Well, first and foremost, uh, bail reform. Again, I'm opposed to having policy in the budget, but uh, Governor Hochul knows full well that if she was to try to address changes to bail reform, the badly needed changes to bail reform anywhere outside the budget, that um, the the, uh, the far-left progressives that unfortunately control the Democratic Party in our state would never allow any changes. So she tried to address them within the budget, and in the end, and I debated this bill uh, with uh, with Senator Bailey, uh, he said there were no changes. He said there's, these are merely clarifications. So in the end, the governor is trying to spike the football, saying that she made substantive changes uh, to the disastrous bail reform laws, and in the reality, According to the sponsors and the authors, there's been no changes made. Um, at best, I think that you could say there are some, there have been some tweaks, uh, but really, what we needed was a full repeal of this disastrous bail reform law that has made New York State far more dangerous and has emboldened criminals. So, uh, th- short of being able to address this responsibly outside the budget as a policy initiative, uh, I would have liked to have at least seen some real uh, reforms in the budget if that's the only place that the governor could have accomplished it. Mm-hmm. And going on the opposite side, was there something that you looked at and said, well, we should never have gone this far? I mean, you've mentioned that there's a number of programs that are, are getting this funded through the, the federal monies and that will eventually run out. But was there anything else that was in the budget that you looked at and said, we, we should never have gone as far as we did with this package? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a number of, uh, of places there that we, we have still yet to uncover, quite frankly, as we, as we sift through all of the, uh, the, the special interest payoffs that are in this budget. Uh, but you can, you can certainly uh, look at the fact that we, uh, there are a lot of places where we uh, have not done enough, to, for example, to restore the cuts that Governor Cuomo made to Medicaid reimbursements to our nursing homes, uh, yet we're creating new programs uh, to provide funding. Uh, you know, f- for example, I think broad funding uh, for, for things that essentially just aren't the role of government in so many ways. Uh, and, and honestly, I think that uh, if you look at where, do we, where, where are we spending our money right now <laughs> and, in what, and in what places, uh, where, you know, we, they have this uh, gun violence institute uh, that they want to create, which is just a, just a political front, uh, yet we're really not addressing uh, the, the criminals behind those guns. Uh, so you got you have funding for funding for things like that that are just kind of political virtue signaling, uh, and when you add up the thousands of uh, little areas like that uh, in the budget, it, it, it amounts to billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. 
thinking around um, more locally, is there obviously understanding that the budget book, it, it, I think was there's 10 budget bills total, I think you guys had to pass, and understanding that this is this is a mighty, a mighty big package of, of, of legislation to try to even sift through. Have you seen anything specific for Chautauqua County that people around here would be interested in knowing about? Yes, um, uh, we, we have some really great uh, water infrastructure uh, awards uh, in Chautauqua County, uh, millions of dollars to improve uh, uh, our, our water and sewer lines uh, in places like the town of Chautauqua uh, and uh, other places that, that, you know, for example, town of Chautauqua, I believe, got over $3 million uh, in total. Uh, the village of Brockton got a million dollars, or about half, excuse me, about $600,000 to improve their uh, uh their water infrastructure. Um, there's uh, there's several in uh, throughout the 57th Senate District, uh, as well as in, you know, in Cattaraugus County uh, and Allegheny County. So I'm I'm glad to see that that's true infrastructure. That's where that money should be spent. Um, you know, we actually got uh, I, I would say a, a a large percentage of the total uh, that came to Western New York is coming to uh, to our rural areas. Uh, there's other. There are other examples like that uh, where true infrastructure needs will be addressed. And, again, that's what the point of this ARPA money was, was to, was to address critical infrastructure needs uh, that have been underfunded or unfunded for, for in some, case, some cases, many, many years. Mm-hmm. Now that you have a spending plan, so what do you work on next with that? I mean, is there anything that you'll look to change from what has already been passed, or is there, what are you working on now? Well, you know, so a budget is really just a projection, right? It's a, it's a guess as to how much uh, we, we think we're going to spend. And there's line items uh, that allocate funding from the budget. Uh, and will there be changes? Absolutely. There will be uh, changes legislatively, and even the governor has the authority to change some things. But in the end, it's about uh, essentially providing the fuel that we need uh, to, uh, to fund New York State government and the projects that are, that are important to, to so many people. So, yes, there will be changes made, but ultimately uh, the allocations that were made within the budget and funded, whether it was through federal ARPA money or through uh, tax collections, uh, is a framework for us to move forward to ensure that these projects that have been proposed actually are, are able to, to, uh, to be funded and completed. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about the budget, but there's a couple of things that have been happening recently that you've announced that I want to touch on. We'll start first with uh, you are, are part of a lawsuit that's been filed in Cattaraugus County Supreme Court regarding uh, action by the Department of Health. And uh, where do things stand with that lawsuit now? You've, uh, you know, it's, it was filed, but what are we, where are we in the process with this? Well, in fact, we just uh, scored a victory uh, yesterday uh, where we... Um, uh, the, the governor had uh, created this flimsy case to move it from state court to federal court because part of our lawsuit uh, mentioned due process and con- the constitutional right to due process. Uh, and uh, so they tried to change venues from the state court to the federal court. The federal court judge uh, that was assigned the case immediately threw it back to the state. That was the decision made yesterday. Literally, uh, the same day that he uh, that he heard it, he he rendered his decision immediately, and cited the fact that this is uh, that there's there is state due process as well, and uh, we, and therefore it should be heard in a state court. This was just a stall tactic on the governor's part. I think they understand that they are on very very flimsy legal ground here to try and take. Uh, just again, I'll give you a summary of what this is about. Um, New York State's Department of Health uh, and the governor's office are trying to promulgate rules that would allow uh, local and state public health officials the right 
uh, to quarantine someone, even outside of their own home, uh, in a detention facility without due process, and without actually uh, having to prove anything. The, the reason being that they, may, they could be suspected of potentially being exposed to a communicable disease. No proof required, no due process outlined, uh, and they could be detained for, for, for an indeterminate amount of time uh, without ever going before a judge. And even giving the local health department the ability uh, to instruct law enforcement officials to take people from their homes without being accused of, of, of a crime, uh, which is an absolute, uh, not only is it a, is a violation of, of due process, but it is uh, lawmaking, and that's the substance of our case, lawmaking uh, being done by the governor. Uh, and the reason that our case is strong, and I believe will be victorious, is because uh, there was a horrible uh, bill, Assembly Bill, Assembly bill A416 by Assemblyman Nick Perry, that never went anywhere. They uh, never even had a, a co-sponsor in the Assembly, not a single additional co-sponsor, and there was never any companion legislation in the New York State Senate. So Governor Hochul and her Department of Health took uh, the essential parts of that bill that never went anywhere and, are, and is trying to put it into Department of Health regulations. So using the, rule, the, the, the regulatory process, bypassing the state legislature, and, and creating what in essence would be a new law. That's the, um, that's the fundamental of our lawsuit, that she has violated the separation of powers by trying to uh, regulate something that should be done through lawmaking. And clearly, uh, the New York State Legislature has no appetite to pass a bill like this because, again, it never went anywhere. And this is a bill that predates the pandemic. It goes back to 2015, as a matter of fact, uh, and has never gone anywhere. It never has even gotten into an agenda. And, in fact, uh, because of all the uh, backlash from, from this and, and, the, and the lack of uh, even having a, a, a co-sponsor, uh, Assemblyman Perry actually pulled this legislation in December. So uh, uh, this is clearly against not only the, the will of the legislature, but against the will of the people of New York State, and it's a clear violation of the separation of powers, which is what our lawsuit is based on. Mm-hmm. And going to on the Department of Health side, there were already guidelines in place for how the department or health departments could deal with a situation where if someone was sick and wasn't and need to be quarantined and wasn't. And I, I, I will, I will admit that I was talking to Assemblyman Goodell and he explained some more about it to me about it. And uh, I was, I didn't realize that there is an existing process. And that so yeah. it sounds like this, the rules were they just want to change those rules to something more I guess simplistic, but not well, necessarily in the interest of a, of the of the population. Well, yes, and and uh, and he's right, but there are you know there there is a a, a due process that is spelled out uh, where people uh, have the ability to 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 number one be able to get a hearing uh, that there is a, a much higher. Um, uh, hurdle for for the Department of Health in order to to quarantine someone because you know there are there are situations uh, where you have an outbreak of a disease and the the Department of Health already has the ability to take steps to quarantine people but that those steps involve due involve due process what they're essentially trying to do through the rulemaking process is eliminate not the need to even prove that there is a public health threat and can do it just based on the suspicion I mean literally. You could have a, a, a public health official show up at your home and say, we believe your 12-year-old son was exposed to a communicable disease. I don't have to prove it. I'm not going to test him, and I'm going to take him from your home and bring him to a detention facility uh, and not tell you when he's coming back. Now, that might sound extreme, 
but the whole idea is it sh- that should not be allowed to happen, and there should not be rules that would allow that to happen, certainly without going through the, the lawmaking process. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll uh, we will stay tuned for how this case progresses. Uh, another thing, you just put out a release on this as well, is that you are filing a bill about um, getting reimbursement for Sunni and Kuni students who were basically um, kicked out of school because they didn't get the vaccination. Can you tell us more about this bill? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty basic. Um, you know, I think that uh, you, if you look at how most private universities and either even other public universities in, a, in other states handled it, it was much different than SUNY. SUNY essentially said, uh, you've already signed up for classes. You're already planning on coming back. You have 35 days to decide whether or not you want to get the vaccine or to file uh, for an exemption uh, so, so that you don't have to be vaccinated. Uh, so in 35 days, it was basically, you know, blindsided these students. They had to make a decision. And about 1,500 of them, uh, you know, were, were, were kicked out of school. Now, uh, and here's the part that, that the law deals with. The SUNY kept their money. <laughs> they, they said, you paid for your, your tuition, and we're not giving you your money back, uh, even though we've kicked you out of school. So my bill is pretty simple. Give them their money back. Uh, you know, you, you can you can certainly do whatever you think you need to do to keep the students safe. Uh, it's a low-risk population, so I, I have issues with what they consider to be safe. Uh, but most importantly, give them their money back. Because you, if you look at other uh, other schools, they, they told students in April that they would need to have a decision on whether or not they were going to be vaccinated by the fall. Several months. But SUNY only gave them 35 days from the moment they were told they had to do it until the moment they had to decide. Uh, so uh, it, it was unfair, and in the end, for that reason alone, they should be able to at least get their money back. Mm-hmm. Is in terms of support, I mean, what are your senses for um, how this will go forward? Do you have a co-sponsor along with you on this bill? Yes, uh, we have companion legislation. Senator uh, uh, Byrne uh, in the uh, has has carried this in the assembly. Um, we've we've introduced it. It'll have to go before the education committee. Uh, I'm hopeful that. Um, I don't think this should be a partisan issue. I'm hopeful that uh, uh, some of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle will will take this up and co-sponsor it. Like I said, I think it's pretty basic. You didn't provide the service, so you should at least refund the money. Uh, I think if this was a consumer fraud issue, you'd you'd see immediately a lot of people jumping forward saying, you didn't give them the product you promised, therefore you should give them their money back. I think that's pretty basic. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell us about, whether uh, things you're working on or any other comments about the state budget? Well, you know, I think now as we dive into things, we're going to talk about some of the specifics uh, that, uh, you know, the framework of the budget has given us and how that will actually be brought forth and executed. Uh, I'm certainly encouraged by uh, the broadband items like I discussed, uh, but there are uh, many challenges as we face uh, going forward. First and foremost, public safety. Uh, New Yorkers, uh, you know, if you, if you look at the polls, feel far less safe as a result of this disastrous bail reform laws, and that will be a front and center topic in the, in the coming election. And uh, again, it should not be a partisan issue. This should be about basic public safety. And New Yorkers overwhelmingly believe that judges should have the discretion to hold someone based on dangerousness. That was something that we pushed for and has, has yet to happen. New York State is the only state that has addressed bail reform without giving judges the discretion to hold someone on dangerousness. Uh, again, because the, the, wasn't, the idea wasn't to craft a responsible law uh, that actually addressed the issue of, uh, of people being unfairly held. Instead, they decided to, they, that they had to prove that New York was the most progressive, and that's why the dangerousness uh, clause for our judges 
got left out. Uh, and that, unfortunately, winning that ridiculous contest to prove that New York was most progressive uh, has led to deadly consequences. So we're going to have to con- we're going to continue to push that message uh, going into this election. All right, Senator Burrell, thanks very much. Thank you.